faith that works. And uh, last Sunday was seemed like a little bit of scolding, uh, you know. But uh, sometimes we have to do that. The Bible says that if God don't chastise you, then you're not a true child. And so people think that God's chastisement is to make you sick, break your back, burn your house, and wreck your car. And because stuff like that happens, and people say, well, I just don't know what I've done that God would do this to me. Well, <laughs> you mouth a lot of your problems. But anyway, uh, God chastises us, first of all, with his word in the spirit, because God is a spirit. We're a spirit because it calls him the father of spirits. And God chastises us when he does in the spiritual realm. And if we don't heed that chastisement and, and begin to repent, do something different, turn that thing around, then that rebellion can spill over into the physical, natural realm. And it's not God's fault, it's ours. Now, not everything that happens comes under that category. But you think back of things that God deals with you on. And you have a choice to either repent and walk away from that or keep doing it. And uh, anyhow, that's not what I come to preach about this morning. I just thought I'd share that with you, okay? Just hold on. We're not going to receive another offering. But I do want you to open your Bible to Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. We're going to go there again. He's talking about legalistic stuff, things that we try to do to impress God, and that's what this comes down to. Now, I want you to understand this, that faith produces works. And if your faith is not producing some works of some kind, then it's not a true and living faith. Because remember, James told us that faith without works is dead, been alone. He said, you show me your faith without your works, I'll show you my faith by my works. And when we talk about faith works, we're talking about an element that God has given us that produces things in our life that we need, which is the area of faith. So faith will bring into being things that we need in, in our world. You see, I can't create a world. I, and I, I guess I'm limiting myself when I say that. There's no need for me to create a world, okay? As far as... Uh, like the universe and the earth, there's no need for me to do that. That's just like, uh, you know, I don't know anything if there's any need for me to create. To create something is you've got to come up with something that's never been before. Right? So we can't do that. But I can use the Word of God in faith to take care of my world that's around me. I can frame my world where I go what's concerning me with faith in the Word of God. Now, I want you to look at this. It says, for we are in Christ, Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith which activated and energized and expressed and working through love. Now, it if you don't have an Amplified Bible, all of our scripture today is basically going to come from the Amplified Translation. Uh, if you're looking on your uh, wireless device, you can go ahead and find the Amplified part of that. And this is where we're going to be today. Faith 
that works. The first thing I want to talk about this today, faith that works is persistent. It stays at it. It don't quit. It don't, it don't back down. When pressure's on, faith that works continues to stay faith. See, in, in Hebrews he says, cast not away therefore your, your confidence, and there the word confidence means your open public confession of faith. Cast not away your fearless confidence, the Amplified Translation says, for you have need of patience. And I've got to remind you again, that pa- word patience there, we use it in our everyday language today as putting up with somebody or putting up with something. A mother run around and say, I need more patience. A wife will say, I need more patience in relation to her husband. And husbands hardly ever say that. <laughs> they don't know they need it, so they don't say it. But anyhow, but patience, in the New Testament economy of it, patience, as we think of it today, is what the New Testament calls long-suffering, and long-suffering is the ability to put up with something. Long suffering. You just, you know, regardless of how they act, you keep that long suffering going and you put up with it while you're praying for them and encouraging them and, and trying to change yourself. Because, see, sometimes the problem we have with other people is not other people, it's us. Thank you. I didn't know if I'd get an amen at that point or not. So I'll write that down again so I'll come back there. But, anyhow, what? But. Patience means the ability to stay the same regardless of the situation. If I believe God in church, I believe God at work. And if I don't, then I'm not staying the same. If I can believe God when things are good, then I can believe God when things are not good. Can I tell you this? If you've got a choice of believing God when things are good and things are not good, you need to be believing Him when they're not good. And if you do that, then you're going to believe him when they're good. But faith that works is persistent. Now I want to show you some things. Let's look in Luke chapter 11. Jesus is teaching that, and you've got something you need to understand. This basically is found also in Matthew chapter 7, this, some of this same scripture. And we're going to refer to some of that in just a minute. But but you've got to realize that the things that Jesus taught, he taught them time and again. In Matthew chapter 7, he's teaching it in relation, or it's involved in the Sermon on the Mount. Here in Luke chapter 11, he's teaching it in relation to prayer. The disciples had come to him and asked him, said, will you teach us how to pray? Will you show us how to pray? And he gave them then what we call the Lord's Prayer, or the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to pray, a pattern prayer, a a prayer that if we can take it and and begin to get into it and break it down and pray that prayer would accomplish a great deal. Jesus didn't say pray these words. He said pray this way. So we we need to pattern our prayer after that. Then when he got through with teaching them this, He went ahead to back this up with something. And he gave this story. He said in Luke chapter 11, verse 5, And he said to them, Which of you has a friend? And go to him at midnight and will say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine who is on his journey has just come, and I have nothing to put before him. 
And he from within will answer, Do not disturb me. The door is now closed and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and supply you with anything. That shows how much we can count on people. First off, now we can count on people. Let's go. I tell you, although he will not get up and supply him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his shameless persistence and insistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now the King James here says, because of his importunity. That word importunity is not found but one time in the New Testament and then sent here in uh, the book of uh, I mean in the King James Version. And what this word importunity means is really displayed here in the Amplified. It means shameless persistence. It means that I'm to a point that I'm going to lose all my dignity and all my pride if it takes that to get what I want to get what I need, to get what I'm believing for. And it's a, a radical kind of faith. It's a, a radical move, a radical step in the faith process that you and I need to learn. So many times we give up too easy. We sort of shut it down. But what this is talking about here is an element that I call the stick to itness. Don't give up. Stick to itness. I'm going to continue to do this. This is what I know that God has said. This is what His Word declares. And I'm not going to turn around from this because this is God's Word. And I'm not going to entertain these kind of thoughts. Well, maybe God didn't mean it that way. No. If He said it, He meant it. Well, that was just for those disciples. But you know, the thing that happened here is He instructed Luke to write this. But he and Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, according to Luke, to Theophilus. Now, as far as we know, Theophilus was not necessarily an individual, but what it meant, people as a whole. So the Gospel of Luke, and especially the Gentiles, and the Gospel of Luke is written to you and I, and in this Gospel, he says, don't give up. Stay with it. Don't quit. You stick to itness, and I'll, I'll come back to that in just a moment. Then he, then he said, I tell you that though he will not get up and supply him everything because he is his friend, yet because of his shameless persistence and insistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. I say unto you, ask and keep on asking, and it shall be given you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you shall find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks and keeps on asking receives, and he who seeks and keeps on seeking finds, and to him who knocks and keeps on knocking, the door shall be opened. Now, I know there's been a lot of teaching in the faith realm that if you ask God for something more than once, then you didn't believe Him the first time. Or if you ask Him more than once, there's no faith involved in that. Let me tell you something, folks. If, if that's so as a blanket statement, then why did Jesus say, keep on asking? Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Now, I know, listen, there's people that have come to God and asked God for something that ain't got no more faith to it than anything. And the reason is they don't have any Bible to back it up. No word, nothing else. It's just something that they, they, they saw, they want, and that's it. 
And, and a lot of times people go and ask God for something and they do it in such a way as, as that they're begging and, and they present themselves as being unworthy. Now, folks, let me tell you, I want to address that real quick. If you're a child of God, you're worthy of the things the Word of God declares that you and I can have. He made us worthy. I'm not worthy because of me. I'm not worthy because of, of being a Christian 48 years and preaching 48 years and pastoring 46 years and, and, I, you know, and studying the Bible a lot. I'm not building myself up except to tell you this. I'm not worthy because of any of that. As wonderful as my wife is, I'm not worthy because I'm her husband. I thank God I'm worthy to be her husband, but I'm not worthy for the things of God just because I'm her husband. Can I, can I go one step further? You are wonderful people. I'm not worthy of these things from God because I'm your pastor. I'm not. I'm worthy because He made me worthy, and in Him, I'm worthy. In me, I'm not. In me, in David Carroll, I'm nothing. I'm at a loss. I don't have any, any grounds to stand on. I can't stand before God and say, Father God, in the name of David Carroll, I don't like you. You know, the scripture in James says, You have not because you ask not, and you receive not because you ask amiss. Folks, that is a perfect example of asking amiss, is to come before God and think I ought to have it on the basis of, of what I've done and how good I am and all this. No, I come on the basis that He's made me worthy. He's my Father, and I'm His child. See, Jesus said, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven. My Father. Our Father. And so that takes it to a whole different level than coming there on our own. And if we come there on our own, we're going to be like the Pharisee that Jesus talked about that stood in the synagogue, and he said, God, I thank Thee that I'm not like other men. I fast. I give tithes of all. I'm just a pretty good person. I thank you that I'm not like this sinner. The publican come up there, he, he said, Lord, have mercy on me. He went home worthy. He went home accepted. He went home blessed. The Pharisee went home empty without anything. Now, let me tell you what this comes to. He said, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Now, to ask is to continually bring it up. That's your confession. Your confession of faith. You continually bring it up before God through your confession. And that gets over into the air where, where now you're not coming and, and, and asking God as such, but you're bringing it up in the sense that you're saying, God, I thank you that your word is true. This is what the word says, and I stand on the word. This is, this is the thing that I'm confessing, and I'm confessing what I believe, and I believe your word declares this, Father God, and I've got the word to go on. See, I've got the word to stand on, so I keep bringing it up. See, it's just like your child. If they, They'll keep on bringing up something and bringing it up. I was somewhere the other day, and I, I, I can't recall where it was now, but this child asked their mother, and their mother said no. The child turned around and come back and asked the mother again. And she said, no. 
the child took a few steps and turned around and come back and asked the mother again. And the child, the mother said, no. And I said to her, I said, didn't he hear you the first time? Oh, yeah. He just keeps bringing it back up thinking I'll change my mind. See, children do that in that respect. But, you know, we'll pray about something a time or two and confess it a time or two, and then we just sort of let it fall if we don't see anything change. Well, this, God didn't want me to have that. No, listen, there's things that God wants us to have. There's things that Jesus died for you and I to have, and never think that God don't want you to have that. Then he said, seek, and keep on seeking. See, this here is your continuing to look into the Word of God, to strengthen your faith. You're seeking out things in the Word of God that goes along with what you've been believing God for. You find Scripture and you keep studying that and, and you keep doing that. This, this is called uh, meditation. Getting the Word and beginning to meditate in the Word and, 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 and saying it over and over and over and, and thinking it over and over and over and keeping it in your heart and and believe in what God's Word says as you meditate on it. Begin to, 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 as you thank God for it, see yourself with it. I mean, if you're believing God for healing, then see yourself healed. If you're believing God for freedom uh, from debt, then see yourself free from debt. I mean, you know, if you didn't have bills to pay, think of what you could do. Think of it. And, and, and you know, the thing about it is, when you believe in God, to be debt-free and you're thinking about what you could do as you're debt-free is not getting back in debt again. We think about that. See, all of us have not always been that way, have we? Then he said, knock. And knock means you're not afraid to go there. What's that mean? I mean, you go up and, and you go, you come to my house, you knock on my door. That means you're not afraid to, to go there. You're not afraid to, to get involved in what's going on. And see, this comes down to our prayer. Mark, and Jesus said in Mark, when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have it. So as I'm seeking, or as I'm asking, that's my confession going forth. As I'm seeking, that's my meditation in the Word. And as I'm knocking, that's my prayer of faith, believing that I've received the thing that I've asked God for. So he said, he said that to, for us to keep on doing this. And then he, he, he brings in something else. He said in verse 11, What father among you, if his son asks for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will, in, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, evil as you are, wow, know how to give good gifts, that are to their advantage, to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask and continue to ask Him? Oh, I thought we received the Holy Spirit by faith. You do. And folks, you need to continue to thank God for the Holy Spirit because we need, we need that refilling of the Holy Spirit every day of our lives. So, you know, you say, well, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, that's good. I got saved. But I still, a lot of times, maybe not every day, but a lot of times I go back to God and I say, Father, I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead and I confess with my mouth that he's Lord. 
And I'm not doing that to get saved again. I'm doing it to keep my salvation up to date and present and current and know in my heart that I'm right with God. And it's the same way with the Holy Spirit, folks. I got filled with the Holy Spirit in 1980 initially. But I got filled with the Holy Spirit this morning sitting back in my room. I prayed and said, said God, I, I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit in my life and on my life today to minister and to, and to be with your people. And, and I thank you for that. And I just felt, felt, felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. I even began to speak in tongues right back there in my little office. In Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus is talking about this, listen to what he says. If you then, evil as you are, know how to give good and advantageous gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven, perfect as he is, give good and advantageous things to those who keep on asking? Good things. Good things. You ask God, God's not going to give you bad things. God's not going to give you junk. James says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. So as we, as we continue to persist, I mean to the point of being like indignant. And, and what I mean about indignant, I'm not talking about indignant towards God. And I'm not talking about going there and demanding God. Now, God, you said in your word and I'm expecting it now. I, you, just what you said. and I want, No, you don't demand God. We've we got to realize that. You demand the devil. And you can command things, but you don't demand God. You come before God with reverence and ask and seek and knock and see the Heavenly Father who is so righteous. Give us the things that we need. God indeed does that. So, faith that works is not concerned about religious tradition. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, Jesus had, had crossed over from Capernaum. He had gone over and cast the devils out of the, the demonic man, came back across the sea because they didn't want him over there. Can you imagine that, going somewhere and doing good and they ask you to leave? Well, that's what they did. Why? Because he killed all their hogs. He commanded to go in and let the demons go into it, and they all run in, their, in the sea and, and drown. So he, he killed their hogs. But as he come back and got back to the other side, in verse 22 it says, And one of the rulers of the synagogue came up, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he prostrated himself at his feet. Now here's a ruler of the synagogue. He's one of the chiefs, dressed no doubt in the, in the top best, pharisaical robes of that day. Steeped in all the religious tradition of the Pharisees, he knew all the thou shalt nots. Now, he might not have known all the thou shalt, but he knew all of the thou shalt nots because that's what the Pharisees majored on. Sort of like a lot of Christian people that I know it's that way. They major on the thou shalt nots and they overlooked the thy shout. So this guy had all of this down. He was a ruler, a leader. He, he was one of the, the top ministers in the synagogue. And he came to Jesus. Now here, this, and no doubt, the deacon board might have been standing around. The, the elder board, the, 
corporate board, whatever you want to call them, the leaders of the church. Maybe some of them were standing around, but Jairus was to a situation where it did not matter who was there or what kind of religious tradition was going on. It wasn't the fact that, that he was saying there, well, you know, we don't do this kind of thing over at our church. Now, I wasn't raised that way, you know. No, he, he had a need, and he came before Jesus and fell prostrate on the ground right before him, even giving an indication that as he fell before him, he took hold of his feet because he wanted to know that Jesus was listening to him. And now then I got a hold of him. He can't go anywhere. And listen to what he said. He said, my daughter is at the point of death. But if you'll come and lay your hands on her, she'll live and not die. I was reading a story this week of this fellow his wife, and they had two children, and, and she just began to take sick. And the children was under 10 years of age, and she just began to get sick and go down. The doctors could not discover what was wrong with her. They, they run every test. They did everything they could do. And she was just getting worse and lost down to where she did not even weigh 90 pounds. I mean, a, a big, healthy woman all of a sudden end up being smaller than my wife. Now, it's a terrible situation. The doctors, her doctors had said that she probably would not live another week because of her condition. He had prayed. Others had prayed. People had come from the church and prayed. Folks all around had prayed for her. And he went out in the backyard that evening, and he just said, God, I need my wife. My children need their mother. And I believe, God, that you can work this thing to where she'll live and not die according to your word. And he said instantly when he said that, I was reading this and I thought when it said instantly, his wife got up and started, no, he said instantly when he said that a doctor's name came to his mind, a doctor that he had never heard of. He got up, he went in, he found the doctor's name in the phone book, and it's a it was a specialist of some kind, internal specialist, and he called up this doctor, a specialist that normally has a long waiting list, and the receptionist told him, said, Sir, uh, we have a process you have to go through, and he said, but we need to be there. And she said, well, we just had a cancellation just right before you called, and we can see her in the morning. He took her the next day, he ran a different kind of test on her and found out she had a mineral deficiency in her body that was killing her. And within a week's time, this mother, this wife, was up out of the bed going about her daily routine, and the husband said, it's a miracle from God. And that's the only thing we can say. You say, well, the doctor, no, 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 the God. He used the doctor. And that's okay with me. I don't care who God uses as long as God gets credit and I get better. Amen? That's the important thing. <laughs> and don't step over that cord. Trip over that cord. <laughs> Nearly got me. Thank you, Gene. He begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter's at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be healed and living. So, so you see, he got past his tradition that he had always had brought up to him. And let me, let me say this. I, I've said it recently a few times, but I feel like I need to say it right here. 
when Jesus came, he was rejected by the establishment, the religious crowd, because he was doing things different. He was speaking words different. Said, said you know, his words are powerful. Never a man spake like this man. And then he was doing things different because they said, man, hey, nobody ever did what he's done before. He opened the blinded eyes, and they said, that can't happen. And, and he said, well, look, here I am. My eyes have been opened. And he said, nowhere is it written that anybody's eyes was ever opened. You know, you go back to the Old Testament, you'll find that it's never, never a record of anybody's physical eyes being opened in the Old Testament. But he came and opened eyes. I mean, even made clay, and, 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 and another time he spit on it. Touched a man's tongue, and it, it was loose. Deaf ears opened. Legs healed, arms healed. He came doing all of these things, and the religious people did not accept it. Well, let me tell you, after the day of Pentecost, they did some things altogether different then too. It's just it's different. And, and when somebody comes along today doing something that turns out to be good, we won't, we, if we don't watch it, we'll fold our arms and say, well, I just don't know. I don't know. We've never done it that way. Uh, we can't find that in the Bible. Well, it, I understand that. I don't think that anybody can come in here and, <laughs> that's a little extreme, I won't go there. But I don't think people can come just do anything and say it's God. No. But folks, when the Spirit of God's moving and people's needs are being met, why do we get hung up in the method? When we ought to turn it loose and let God take care of it. Then, another thing, it's faith that works does not give in to fear. You know, we talked a little bit about fear uh, uh, sometime in the past. Jesus dealt with this woman with the issue of blood, and whenever this was over with, Jairus was standing here all this time, again forsaking his religious tradition, because religion would said that woman couldn't come there, but she did anyway. And, and, he, and so they came and said, your daughter, has died. If you look on down in, in uh, verse 27, I'm sorry, 35, said, while he was speaking, there came some from the ruler's house and who said to Jairus, your daughter has died. Why bother and distress the teacher any further? Now, faith that works does not regard fear. And listen what Jesus said, overhearing but ignoring what they said. I like that part right there. You say, well, that's not in my regular Bible. I know this one in Mufang, Mufangle Amplified Bible. Okay, But the, the original Greek lends itself to this, that Jesus overhearing them but ignoring them. Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Only keep on believing. Just keep believing. Don't give up. You started out, don't quit. Uh, Paul told the Galatian people, said, You did run well. You started well. Well, what has hindered you or who has hindered you that you should not obey the gospel? And many times people get started believing God. And then if they don't see it change immediately, or they hear reports about somebody else that didn't work for, or if the pain gets worse, if the sickness gets worse, then we get in fear. I, I had a, uh, one of my nephews said to me yesterday, he said, now then, 
uh, I'm on Medicare, and his daddy's got this uh, uh, fib- pulmonary fibrosis. And he said, I don't know, I may have it too. And I'm just sitting and listening. He said, Medicare gives a free uh, 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 CAT scan of the lungs to see if people have this. I'm going tomorrow and get mine done. I sat there and I thought, he said, now I may not have it, but if I do, I want to know it. And what can you say? What I'm talking about is that he's seized with alarm and fear because of something that's happening to somebody else. We need to be on our guard concerning the things of the devil. But folks, we don't need to run from the devil. We need to stand bold and stand firm and listen to the words of Jesus. Don't be seized with fear. Don't be gripped with the fear. Just keep believing. Well, as he kept believing, Jesus went to his house, and, uh, and, and the next thing you know, his daughter was raised from the dead. Another thing that faith don't faith that works don't do, faith that works don't give in to social pressure. I'm afraid of what people might say. That kind of pressure. Now, folks, listen. Why do we want to get so wrapped up in what people say? If if I sit around and talk about how sick I am all the time, people's going to talk about it. They will. And not, and not only that, they, they get afraid they don't want to be around me. You ever notice that? If you've always got a negative thing about your health, and so if people's not going to be around you because you're negative, and if they're not going to be around you because you're positive, can I tell you this? Negative talk is not going to get you anything but worry. Positive talk, they may leave you from that too, but that will get you better and your situation will begin to improve because now then you're speaking the Word of God over that situation. And it's changing. So this woman with the issue of blood, she saw all of this crowd, and, and she could have just kept backing up and said, well, I hadn't got a chance in the world. And if I go in there, what will all these people think about me? And, you know, uh, people get concerned about that, about the church they go to. And we, get, we give in to peer pressure. And uh, young people give in to peer, peer pressure. And just like all the rest of us, it's easy for a young person to be a Christian in church. It's just like it's easy for us to be a Christian here, but when you go to your job, is that same desire and audacity there. What about in, in, in school? See, when we get concerned about social pressure, faith does not regard what social pressure has to say. This woman, she heard of Jesus. She said, I've heard about what he's done for others, and I believe if I can just get through here and touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. I believe if I do this, regardless of what people, and she pushed her way through the crowd, she pushed her way through the social pressure, she pushed her way through all of these things and grabbed the hem of his garment, and she was made whole. She felt it in her body she was made whole. Jesus felt it that she was made whole. And then Jesus turned to her in verse 34 of Mark chapter 5, and he said to her, Daughter, your faith, your trust and confidence in me, springing from faith in God, has restored your health. Go in peace 
and be continually healed and freed from your distressing bodily disease. Be healed of that. Social pressure. Blind Bartimaeus was not hindered by social pressure. As you look over in Mark chapter 10, that Jesus was going uh, through Nazareth, or, or through Jericho, rather. I got it ahead of myself. And in verse 47, it says that when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, this is Bartimaeus, he began to shout, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy and pity upon me. And many of them, his friends, his relatives, many of them that was right around him, the crowd that he hung out with, the ones he run with, many of them said to him, they, re, they censored and reproved him, telling him to keep still, but he kept on shouting out all the more. See, faith confession and what you believe in faith has got to be good regardless of what's going on. And if we got a situation that's drastic, then folks, we need to get drastic with that situation. And don't give up. Don't give up. They, they, many of you know what that means because you laid a hold to something and you begin and you started and you didn't give up and you saw that thing come to pass just according to the Word of God. But let me tell you something. Even though you have seen it come to pass, don't give up. Don't quit because we don't want to take a chance of something going, uh, uh, beginning to go another way. Stay with it so that you can stay where you need to be before Almighty God. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, telling him, Take courage, get up. He's calling you. And then when he come to Jesus, Jesus said, What do you want? And he said, I want my sight restored. And in verse 52, And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has healed you. And at once he received his sight and accompanied Jesus on the road. I remember hearing Norval Hayes, some of you, know who I'm talking about. His daughter had knots all over her body. Big old knots. And not only that, but she was not a believer. And the older she got, these knots got worse, and it had caused her to not believe God like she needed to because the condition was getting worse. So Daddy, she was still living at home, Daddy took over. And Norval Hayes said, day after day, and night after night, he'd walk the floors and say, Father, I thank you that my daughter's healed. I thank you that my daughter's saved. I thank you that my daughter's serving you. And I thank you my daughter's healed. And he said he'd speak to those knots and say, Knots, the condition is causing them. I command you to leave my daughter right now in the name of Jesus. And the daughter would hear him and even come to him and tell him, Daddy, you're not doing any good. You just well to stop. I'm not going to get healed, and I'm not going to get right. But he said the more she said that, the more he would say it. And, and, he, and he said that, that he would do it more often. And he would say, Father, I thank you that my daughter's healed and that my daughter's saved. I thank you my daughter's serving you. And he and he'd bind those knots. He'd command them to leave her, command that disease to get out of her body. And he said that one night... She had been out with her friends, and she'd come in, and it was, it was on pretty late at night, and he was still up in his bedroom just walking back and forth, saying, Father, I thank you that my daughter's healed. I thank you that my daughter's saved. 
and I rebuke those knots. I command them to go in the name of Jesus. He said he heard his daughter come in, come up the stairs and go to her bedroom, and he just kept on doing it and doing it and said that all of a sudden she began to scream. And she come running into his room and said, Daddy, 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 all the knots are gone. She said, help me get right with God. Now, folks, let me tell you, and you, I've told you about Betty Baxter's mother, how that Betty Baxter was born deformed and, and, and was that way till she was 13 years old. But for 13 years, her mother kept saying, Jesus is going to come to my house and t- touch my daughter, and she's going to be restored. Persistent. She persisted in that thing. Persisted in it. And, and it, long before the girl's 13th birthday, Jesus appeared to her in a vision and told her, said, I'm coming to your house on such and such a date at such and such a time, and I'm going to heal your daughter. She went to a little Nazarene church. And she told them at church, Jesus is coming to my house. And they, oh, he don't do stuff like that anymore. He don't work that way anymore. But she kept saying, it comes a day. And she told him, she said, Jesus is going to come to my house today, is on a Sunday at 2 o'clock, and going to heal my daughter. And even though the, the congregation didn't believe her so much, guess who showed up at her house long a little bit before 2 o'clock? Nearly the whole congregation with the pastor's well. And here she was in the house. And she had a little Betty Baxter in a special wheelchair. And she brought her in there. And it got to be 2 o'clock. And she said all of a sudden the curtains began to move a little bit and there was no breeze blowing. But the curtains began to move. And as the curtains began to move, said they heard the sound of a mighty wind. It began to sweep them through that house and into that living room. And it went over. Mm. Got a hold of little Betty. Picked her up out of that wheelchair. The wind did this picked her up out of that wheelchair and began to spin her round and round. Matter of fact, I heard Betty Baxter give this testimony herself. Said it spun her round and round and round and round. And she said she didn't know when it was going to stop, but said there was all kind of popping and cracking and, and arms and legs and everything uh, out. And said that the Spirit set her down on the floor and she danced around that whole living room completely healed. You say, Pastor, I hadn't got 13 years. Yes, you have. I know somebody liable to say, well, you realize how old I'll be in four years from now if I start trying to do something? You're going to, four years from now, if you're still alive, you're going to be the same age as you would be. So why not make use of what we got? Why not get radical about our faith and get persistent and say, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to continue. This is what God's Word says. God said if I'd be saved, that, that believe on Him, that my house would be saved. And I'm not giving up on that. God said that if I believe in Him, come to Him, that by the stripes of Jesus I'm healed. God said that He'd provide all of my needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus my Lord. God said that He'd bless my family. He'd bless my spouse. He'd bless my home. He'd bless my job. Bless the works of my hand. And if God said it, folks, if we don't give up, we'll see it come to pass. Remember the statement I made to begin with, faith without works is dead. You say you believe all day long, but until you stay with it regardless, 
the next you believe in God for healing, the next time that body starts acting up, instead of you sitting around telling everybody about how sick you are and how bad you hurt, begin to tell them, I believe I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I believe what God's Word says, and I hold on to His Word. Folks, I'm going to tell you, there, I, 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 and you know this, but I got a hold of this revelation of healing in 1980. I've had some things to happen and come and go since then, but I'm going to tell you something. I still believe that by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. I believe that he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals me. I believe that I'm not going to be moved by situations and circumstances. As a matter of fact, there's things that I've gone through that, would have, that has debilitated other people. But I come through it on flying colors, you might say. Why? Because I still believe that regardless of what was going on, regardless of a surgery, regardless of an implement, regardless of what it was, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I believe that. It can't be stole out of my heart. And I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. And I tell people, I'm nose running, eyes watering, turn red, swelled up, and people say, uh, are you sick? And I say, no, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Well, you don't look healed. And I tell them, I'm not moved by what you see. And I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by the Word of God. And it says I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. And folks, we have to walk in that kind of stuff. I believe God meets all my needs according to His riches and glory. I believe that God's got a plan for all of us. I give and it's given unto me. I believe that. And I say that. You say, well, there's things that you don't have. Well, can I tell you this? I have everything I need plus. And the other will come. I'm not... I, see, I, I, I got to making a God out of my wants. And God dealt with me on that. It's not a God no more. And I'm going to tell you this. If I live and die and never have a pontoon boat sitting in my driveway that I ride on the river, I'm going to heaven when I leave this earth. It's not a God to me. I have one God. And it's God's Father. Son, God the Holy Ghost. I'm going to hold on to Him. I'm going to believe Him regardless of what may come and go. Regardless. And I tell you this, I believe that I'll see the things come. I'm believing, I'm believing my God. He has given us property. He's given us an understanding. He's given us a, a, a thought and a plan. And I believe with all of my heart, just like that God spoke it here in me and like I spoke it to you, that in a year and a half we're going to see this completed and finished and using it for the glory of God. And, and I believe with all my heart that it's going to be paid for when we do. You say, Pastor, have you looked around this morning? No, I looked up. <laughs> I looked up. Hallelujah. Persistent faith. i got to quit. I could go on and on and on. But I, I'm not. Not today. we got another Sunday. If we don't, then we'll just be in heaven and shout about it. Y'all stand with me just now. Father.